Thanks for joining me on my Chasing Rainbows with Mr. Lavender podcast. Chasing Rainbows can be described as the constant pursuit of things that are unrealistic or unlikely to happen. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to talk to a number of people in pursuit of the unrealistic or unlikely and find out what Chasing Rainbows means to them by talking about their past, present, their future, struggles, their stories, so we can hopefully figure out what makes them tick their thought process and ultimate drive and I guess information which we can hope to use in our lives, your lives, in the pursuit of our own unrealistic. I'm actually very proud to be joined with our whānau today, Tūrimāki Naduli. I pretty much grew up with him, he's a bit older than me but um, there's a lot of story that I haven't, I don't know about himself. Obviously I know all the whānau and you know our, our families live right next to each other but um, Time is precious, bro, and especially for you as a businessman. Uh, so, firstly, thanks for coming along, eh, bro? Yeah, all good, you know, bro. It's, it's, I'd like to just get back to the start, bro. And, yeah. You know, we could try and sort of piece together your, your time frame. Timeline, yeah. timeline. And although I know a lot of it, people that are listening probably won't. So, yeah. um, give us a little rundown of um, how life was, bro, growing up. How it unfolded. Um, well, I guess it all started when I was a young fella, bro, and... Um, uh, my old man was an airbrush artist who would do custom paintings on hot rods and stuff like that, you know. So he was, he was, um, yeah, I was surrounded by him painting, you know, Frank Frazetta paintings on, on cars and oh, stuff yeah. like that, you know. I so that was really inspiring for me. So when I was a young fella, I spent a lot of time drawing ever since I was, couldn't remember. Um, and I just fell, uh, fell in love with the practice of drawing bro are you just doodling little art just whatever pieces or you yeah i was copying things i was copying stuff from magazines and you know when i was a kid i was doing you know daffy duck and all that sort of stuff and disney characters and then it moved on to fantasy art um with frank frazetta those type of artists boris all those fellas like your inspiration towards the um yeah boris did a lot of um marvel sort of yeah he did a lot of pose Posed sort of um, muscle guys with, with women yep. and that sort of stuff. Same with Frank Frazetta, but Frank Frazetta was more of a um, realistic uh, artist. Um, he did a um, he did the first ever animated uh, movie of um, Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. I don't know if you remember that. Nah, it was nah. a bit of a crossover. There was real footage and there was animation in it. It was stock animation, you know, proper, you know, page by page sort of animation. But his artwork really inspired me. So I started off with the, in the fantasy world and then um, moved to Australia and when I was a young fellow and, you know, just hooked up with a, a bunch of friends at school that were all into art. So we just started, we just enjoyed drawing, bro. So we, we drew all the time. Come back to Aotearoa when I was about uh, 12 for high school. Um, shied away from the culture because I had an Australian twang in my accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a bit fucking mad about that. <laughs> um, but eventually um, got involved in kapahaka and um, uh, Polynesian dance and all that sort of stuff. So I was exposed to uh, Polynesian tattooing, yeah, yeah. Maori tattooing, and started doing my own research into that. Um, just through books and whatever I could find, you know. I wasn't privy to any traditional wānang or anything like that through mm. the whānau. None, none of our whānau were really into that sort of um, pathway, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I had to go out and um, and kind of try and find things and find knowledge and learn for myself. So I did that kapahaka for about Polynesian dance troupe in kapahaka for a good 10, 12 years or so. So I was drawing on people all the what time. What age are you talking about? What, what age are you about? Uh, I started that when I was about 18, 19. Yeah. 19. Um, so that got that spiked my interest in uh, Maori culture. Started learning the real. Uh, went to you know went to uni to learn the real. And um, through the kapahaka, we, you know, because we were always drawing on each other for stage presentation and all that sort of thing, tattoos, puhoro, you know, facial tattoos, whatever we needed to do for the stage presentation. Got good at that. Got good at drawing on people. Did that for ten years. And then one of the bros turned up with a homemade machine one day and asked me to tattoo him. So I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> we did it. So we did it. Um, and I probably, you know, then I made my own machine. He showed me how to make my own machine and we went from there, bro. And I was, it's kind of like, a, you know, what you would find in a in a jail, bro, that sort of tattoo yeah, machine, yeah. you know. 
made from an old tape deck motor and <laughs> so at that stage you're just the I was being of the a, canvas bro. I was being a tutu bro yeah. Yeah. and you're all backyard tutuing on each other sort of thing at the yeah the other bros uh, are doing it on you you doing it on them and yeah <laughs> being tutus and so that would have been 25 years ago yep. something like that first started um, so there wasn't a lot of moko artists out there bro there was people like Gordon Hatfield and Laurie Nicholas and um, Mark and Derek and those fellas who were you know uh, who were doing the work um, and I so I put up a website about moko just what I could find you know through books David Simmons book and all this sort of thing and then um, I was contacted by Mark Opua about six years into my into my journey with tattooing uh, and he was just going over me uh, uh, you know he made contact with me through my website about the information that I had on the on the site which was directly out of this David Simmons book um, which I soon come to realize there was a lot of misinformation in the books so um, regard by well some of the information regarding patterns and history of moko was uh, unreliable I guess yeah. And this was coming from Mark and Derek, people like Derek Lardelli, um, who both agreed on the on the subject. So um conversing with Mark over the internet and eventually he took me under his wing, so he started teaching me himself uh about Moko and Mark was a master carver, probably like twenty five years before he changed over to tattooing. Very similar fields. Um, so I was really lucky in the sense that I was able to um, kind of gain an apprenticeship with him. Yeah. Uh, not in the industry, like tattoo industry standard, you do have an apprenticeship. You can, you know, sit with an artist for a few years or however long it takes for you to um, learn the skills and the hygiene practices and all that sort of stuff to make a go of it, you know. Um, yeah, so he sat under Mark for quite a number of years. I still consider him my, my mentor, I guess. Was he teaching you some carving as well? Or have you got no. your eyes solely focused on... Yeah, I solely focused on, on tattooing. Yeah, yep. Moko. Um, so he took me under his wing, helped me sort out my designs and you know taught me about patterns and what was appropriate and history of tattooing, whakapapa of tattooing. Um, yeah, all Do the you believe that's important? Stuff. Is it a cornerstone of Tamako? Learning that sort of stuff? Yeah. It is? Yeah, totally. You can't really do moko without understanding its history and its, um, its um, you know, its tikangas and its use, yeah. what it was used for. Yeah. And it's something that I'm still learning, bro. You know, 25 years in and I'm still still, still learning about what our ans- how our ancestors used it and what it was used for. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was lost due to... Um, Due to colonization. That generation and, uh, where we weren't allowed to speak the real yeah, sort of thing all of that. right through that generation. Even before yeah. that. Yeah. So you had the um, Tohunga Suppression Act, early 1900s, which out body tattooing. Oh, banned yeah. it, bro. Yeah, if right. you were caught practicing tamoka, you would have been sentenced to a lifetime of hard labor yeah. in jail. So that's. Oh, I didn't know that, bro. Yeah. So that was um, one of the nails on the head in the coffin for, uh, for Maori moko, especially male tattoo facials. Um, the other one was prior to that, or probably around the same time, a bit earlier than that, actually, was a trade in heads. So, you know, British guys turned up and a lot of them were fascinated by our mummification processes of our tupuna and wanted to take, you know, take some of those things back to England as keepsakes and shit like that. So they started offering a gun for a head. So that was a real big uh, nail in the coffin for for mataora, male, male facial tattoo. Uh, you know, you can imagine, fellas our age running around in those days, We, you know, good chance, especially if you're not high-ranking. Slaves were even killed, cut their heads off and then tattooed later so that, you know, they were given given a gun for it. Things like that started happening. So a lot of the young men of that generation shied away from from going down the mataora pathway. So, yeah, so 30 years ago probably, revival started, the renaissance started in the art form. I, I went along with all the, with the real, with the real renaissance and all that sort of thing, you know, all the cultural practices, kapahaka, maurako, 
I guess was, that whole thing was, was about the, looking about the 80s yeah but the 80s it's yeah. sort of the big revival sort of yeah it started <clears throat> really started then eh, is the kohanga reo when that kohanga reo revival started what probably was the 80s eh? yeah maybe a little bit earlier did this develop your um, passion even more were you down yeah. quite or well, 80s you would have been still i was in high school in the 80s until yeah. mid 80s yeah yeah so it was just after I left high school, I started diving into the the, the cultural um, knowledge and the real and the moko, yep. even um, you know cosmology and all that sort of thing. I was really interested in in the ancient world, bro. So I started uh, you know looking into all of that. Uh, yeah, I want I to. Um, I do want to jump back later on, bro. Just mm. want to chat about your quickly about your Aussie life, but yeah. I saw you on a taco one time, and um, it was actually a real good taco. And they they sort of had two points of view. There was the ones that uh, love to see our culture spread to the world, yep. tamako, you know, get it out there. Mm. And then there was those hardline ones. They were like, "No, nah, this is for Maori, yeah, yep. Maori only." Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what, what's your thoughts on that, bro? Um, like, obviously, you're you're right in the thick of this discussion. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your thoughts around this? Um. I think there are certain things that uh, for me that I would prefer to see kept, you know, for us solely for Māori and those who have, um, who have, um, I guess, given service to our community uh, in special ways, you know. But the facial tattoo, obviously, the moko mataora and the kauai for the woman is something that, um, you know, that we should keep for ourselves and, and, and make it our own because it's, you know, going through the whole colonization thing and losing so much of our culture and our land and everything was, you know, almost, we were almost wiped out as a people group. Yeah. So, you know, picking ourselves up after all that and, and taking stock of what we have left and moving forward, there are things that I guess, um, you know, we, we should be maintaining for ourselves, you know. Uh, but in saying that, I'm not going to go and put a, you know, a moko Mataora or Kowai on, on Europeans or people of foreign descent just because uh, they want it, you know. Whereas um, traditionally even our ancestors put did put moko on a few Pākehā people, but those people had pretty much become Māori, bro. They had Māori into the... Yeah, they had a place in the Māori community. They even fought alongside our ancestors against their own people, had children with, um, with our people. And that. So they pretty much became Māori, bro. You know, and if my elders brought to me somebody from our community who they thought had earned a kauai or a mataora and they were saying, look, we want to give this person a moko and the elders had, you know, initiated that, then who am I to say no, you know, <laughs> I would do it. Um, and this issue has been coming up quite a bit lately in the news and Fakatani, especially with that woman in Fakatani, Rohope, this whole kopa, which is good because it makes us it makes us analyze, bro. It makes us discuss. Yeah. So those those type of events, um, even though we can be quite nasty to each other over the over the over the Facebook and all that sort of stuff, you know, there were some pretty atrocious comments going down and throwing down warrior keyboard stuff and all that sort of garbage happening on, which is pretty embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Embarrassing to say the least, bro. <laughs> yeah. the least, bro. Um, you know, the way we talk to each other over the social media is can be pretty shocking. Um but the discussion happened and that was a good thing. There were some positives that came out of it in the end and made people think about stuff, you know. Yeah. I like to ask because, um, like, primarily this is about figuring out how you deal with the sort of thing about the hardships mm. so people can listen back and go, oh, that's how we handled that. So what what do you say when people do see sort of tamako people they believe shouldn't? But oh, you, yeah. you obviously know. How do, how do you, how do you yeah. get through that? Bro? How do you get through that sort of... Oh, well, firstly... You know, it's, it's probably a good idea not to take on everything that people say to you about, you know, um, things Māori. I mean, our, sometimes I, yeah, I say that our worst enemies is our, is our own people. <laughs> Everybody's an expert. <laughs> you know, they're passionate about maintaining our culture and all that stuff. I get that. Um, but I'm more of a person that's going to share with, you know, share our culture with the world. Um, uh, you know, there's so much that we can share with people and I tattoo people from all over the place, like I say, but I'm not going to do the faces or even really 
the puhoro, you know, the big tattoos, those those ones that really define us as a people group, even amongst the Polynesian groups, you know. Um, those things set us aside as something unique and different. Um, so I just, uh, you know, when, when people, foreigners come to me, a lot, and a lot of them have um, actually done a lot of reading and research and understand what moko is, uh, even the, the ideas that some people hold on to around this notion of uh, what they call kiritui, which is um, basically drawn on tattoos or something that's just, you know, not totally uh, in, involved with whakapapa. Not fully or, cultural. Yeah, just, not fully cultural. Just, just, a, just, a, art, just art, art, art piece sort of a thing, yeah. I don't use that term anymore for my, for my own mahi because I invest my cultural practice into every piece that I do uh, as a tohungata, you know. So for me it's just been... Uh, a process of trying to, um, I guess, educate those who are interested in learning about how moko has helped people from all over the world, you know. Um, it, it, for our own people, especially it acts like a bridge, especially for those in Australia, because we live in Oz. A lot of third, second, fourth generation Māori over here who don't know much about their culture. Um, moko is one of those things, like kapahaka and mōrāko, that can bridge them to their roots, you know. Um, and I enjoy that. But it also, with, with foreigners coming to get moko, they come to get moko because, well, they want something that's meaningful instead of just going down and get a piece off the wall at a tattoo studio. You know? mm. that's, I, can, I can understand that. They want something that is talking about their story. So it's easy for us as a moko practitioner to depict their story through our patterns and stuff. So that's what I, that's what I do. Um, and... Yeah, I, I just think that um, sharing our culture in that way is uh, enlightening a lot of people about our, our ways of thinking and our understanding. Is it another our... good way to keep our culture alive to sure. a certain point as well? Is that, is that another yeah. possible reasoning behind it or just another? Well, our, our culture is going to, that, that would be, you know, the survival of our culture depends on us. We're responsible for it. Um, and sharing it with others is definitely helps in the sense that, you know, we live in a we live in a global civilization now and so there's a lot of ignorance out there about uh, cultures and, and people who live different lifestyles and different ways of thinking, you know. So um for me I think the beauty in, in this planet is that there is so much cultural diversity, you know, we should be we should be celebrating all of that. Mm. We shouldn't be saying oh, these people shouldn't be doing that or this people shouldn't be living like that because we don't do that you fellas are wrong yeah. you know this is when you start getting into racism and all that sort of thing yeah. why can't we all express who we are as a people group and let that be as it is you know mm. Mm. Yeah. how have you um how, how did you develop your style bro has, has every tattoo artist tamako artist got their own unique style that you can pick can you look at someone's yeah. arm and go oh that's that's yeah. so and so, and that's yeah, yeah, you can. How, how did you? Where did you? Oh, obviously, um, because I was trained by Mark, my style initially looked like Mark's style, and then after a while, you rub shoulders with other artists, and as you, you know, as you continue to work your style and develop and see other artists and um, research traditional patterns and having a look at paintings and carvings and all this sort of thing, you you see things that you like, you you find styles that you like, you find flows that you like. And you start incorporating things, so you initially, eventually, you will just automatically evolve your own sort of style. Yeah, it should be a natural progression if you're growing. You know, if your style is growing and evolving, it should be a natural progression, I think. And how have you seen it sort of develop over the past what decade, decade and, and mm. some? Uh, My style, you mean? Yeah, your own personal. Yeah, it varies a lot. I mean, I I, I like to look at um. Uh, as you know, a lot of the old photos and paintings from people like Lindauer and Goldie, and, and, and analyze what's going on in those photos, if possible. But the paintings are pretty, pretty close, um, and see what was working for them back then. And man, I've got to say, you know, Atupuna were those who were really good at Moko back in the day. Their symmetry was impeccable, and the the way that they pulled off their their styles was really uh, incredible, actually. Without the, especially without the technology 
Yeah. Where, where afford these days? I well, there weren't, there weren't no um, stencil printers back then, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we no computers to design on. <laughs> a, little, a little sketch on the arm first. Yeah, bro. they marked it all out in charcoal, you know. Yeah. But still, they managed to nail their symmetry. It was pretty incredible. Um. Yeah, where was I? What were we talking, talking about? Talking about your um, the development of your yeah my your, style your own style yeah so that yeah they just came through through researching and looking and and, and rubbing shoulders with other artists and uh, not just moko artists too but but um, standard industry tattooists you know you learn I learned a lot from standard tattoo uh, tattoo industry artists in terms of what works you know, scale of things that you can that you should be designing with needles or the practical skills that you need to develop to become a good tattooist so i learned a lot from rubbing shoulders with uh, pakeha artists as well as moko artists you know mixed the both together to to develop my own style what, what, make, what mm. makes a good style bro have you seen your style that other people are using have you seen yeah it? Yeah, yeah i mean uh and how do you take that oh uh, it doesn't bother me at all bro i mean it's you know they say Copying people's style is a is you know a form so of flattery, I guess. Flattery, yeah. yeah. So, um, I for me it's uh, it's about the revival of the the art form and the 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 evolution of the art form. So for people to be taking patterns that I've come up with and using it in the artwork, I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know. Um, especially so much young talent coming through in the moko world, bro. It's, um, a lot of them are. Uh, you know, coming into it eyes wide open, which is awesome. Have you taken anyone under your wing, or have you spoken to a couple of you know, taken a couple of side and go this, this, and this, or does it does it work like that? Yeah, I've had a few apprentices know? come and go. Yep. So, um, uh, yeah, you get you often get young guys coming through, you know, wanting to ask questions and you know, all that kind of stuff, which I'm happy to oblige with. Um, had a few apprentices. Some some have gone on and, and succeeded some many have not even completed the work um, which is a good point because um, you know I guess with anything in success if you want to be successful in any field you need to be able to um, one have the passion and the commitment to that passion to make you you know make you want to get up in the morning and draw and draw and draw and draw until you can do it with your eyes closed sort of a thing you know um, and that's what's going to make a, a great tattooist or a great moko artist is someone who's got the passion and the drive to get up and want to do that every day by themselves without having to be pushed by somebody. You know? um, and I guess that would be the same in any field. Mm. Eh? Well, what's, your, what's your mind frame? There's, there was obviously a point, I'm not too sure actually I should ask you, was, was there a point where you thought oh, this is just going to be a hobby? Or have you always had your mind focused? This is going to be my thing. No, well, I was doing two things at once. I was working in television there for a while as an editor, and I was had my eyes set on heading towards you know weather productions as super special effects and all that sort of thing. And at the same time, I was um, I was tattooing. You know, had studio going down in Auckland as well. So I had these two things weighing up. Um, decided to follow the tattoo route because. The TV industry, the movie industry is like, you know, 17 hours a day in front of a computer sitting down, you know, with deadlines and stuff like that. So that was quite a stressful environment, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas tattooing was a lot more relaxed and a lot more, you know, I could travel and I could go places. and Express I Express your, your own art. Yeah. Sort of thing, I suppose, to a point. Totally. <clears throat> yeah, totally. And not only that, but... Um, seen I've come to a place in the work now where you can see that um, when you delve in into to moko and a cultural practice you start delving into things like the psychology of our people how moko is used to help people move through trauma um, uh, to celebrate important times in life you know, to benchmark important time frames and yeah, things like rites of passage and all that sort of thing. So the more deeper aspects of our of our culture, um, moko has has actually got a um, a role to play in helping our people move forward past the victimization of colonization and all that sort of thing that we're having to deal with. You know, as a people group, so I see moko as something that can 
help our people uh, move forward mm. positively. Yeah. yeah. Do you get do you get approached a lot by people are curious? Some might be a yeah. little bit scared about. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, I get approached quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, mostly curiosity. Yeah. You know, obviously you get those who sort of. Um, Watched uh, once for warriors once too many times and yeah and they assume assume that's yeah, what's associated with violence yeah yeah. That, yeah you get that quite a bit but most people are just curious and I'm I quite enjoy those people that have the balls enough to come up and ask about it because yeah. it's a it's a speaking opportunity it's yeah, an educational yeah. opportunity right yeah. there so um, and it, it you know it's not it doesn't have to be a long conversation and basically you're just telling them okay this is a cultural practice that's related to genealogy. It's been done for thousands of years amongst our people. It's not related to gangs. Uh, and, you know, when you get down to it, those who take up facial tattoo in our culture were those who were benchmarking important lives, uh, important times in their lives, um, you know, through the whare wānanga, and who were good people who lived uh, community lifestyles, you know. And that's kind of the some of the guidelines that we approach uh, get people to approach with, with when they want to receive facial tattoo. Mm. You know, make sure you got a good reason, good co-papa for why you wanted to receive it. Have the support of your whanau, Be a good person. You know, those are sort of the three main guidelines that we are uh, encouraging people to look at in terms of receiving mataora and kauai. I imagine that um, mm. uh, the commitment for not only yourself but the person getting it. It's different from a shoulder to a face. Yeah. Well, what's the? Do you sit down with the person and and explain to them? Yeah. Well, do they at that stage are they already convinced that's what they want? Do you sit down and just go through it with them first? When they approach me for a matauri, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have a bit of a dialogue about you know what we've just talked about, what I've just been talking about, making sure that they're not just getting it so they can go and score chicks at the beach. Yeah. You know, which is you know you get those type of. People who come in and <laughs> do, you, do you really want them to know their fucker papa properly first before they get it? Or well, I don't expect them to be super Maori. They don't have to be fluent in Maori or, or understand everything about um, you know their fucker papa. But um, I do encourage them to use it as a stepping stone into looking deeper into those things. Yeah, and for a lot of people, that's just going to happen naturally because. Um, um, Man, you you walk after you get your face done. You're walking around on cloud nine for quite a number of months, you know. So it's quite a buzzy feeling, mm. um, and and it's just got this power to make you want to look deeper into your culture and understand, man, what is this really all about? You know, the um, the Maori identity, the Maori stamp of identity, you could say, I guess, is uh, is something that makes you look deeper into who you are. Yeah. That's important stuff, you know. A lot of us, um, a lot of people are still, you know, floating through life, not really tied to their roots, you know. And it's a good chance for them to connect mm. with their yeah. past and it's a bridge. even themselves to a point, I suppose. Yeah, to totally. Who they really are. Yeah. It's funny you brought up the beach thing. People get it, of course, of course they do. Eh? Yeah. When you gave me my tamoko, I remember, I remember it clearly, because it must have been after Christmas and all the nannies were sitting there. Was that your old house? Yeah. At the back? Yep. And, and me and you're sitting there and all nannies are drinking they'll come over and have a look but I remember before I said oh cuz I want to want to get like a band yeah. and you explained to me yeah, a band's not traditional Māori uh, I can still do it but yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, was, I was I was quite um, quite happy by the way because I didn't know that Yeah. you explained to me that's not traditional but obviously if that's what you really want I, I can do that yeah, yeah. and um, do you find yourself do a lot of people come up and ask you you don't want this and you say it's not traditional this but I can still do it and they maybe change their mind about it or do you get a lot of that? Too? Yeah it depends on, on the person coming um, and I'll have that dialogue about you know the biggest thing for me is to get them trying to think about well, what's drawing you to moko why do you want a moko uh, what do you want to talk about in your moko so then we can take it from there as to where's the best placement um, you know, a lot of people will bring in designs designed by their uncle who's a carver or you know somebody in the whanau who's just good at drawing or tattooing and they'll bring those designs in and say I want to get this done and I'll look at it and, and uh, most of the times it's not tattooable you know, we need to change it so I'll, I'll use it as a template and I'll say okay look what we'll do is I'll I'll try and stylize it after what you know I'll take elements from this and that are usable and we'll use it um, but I'll change it so that it 
so that it makes sense in a mokul sense. So, uh, yeah, I'll change it around, but I'll try and make it um, as you know as much as I can. Use elements from the from the design that they brought in. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like you don't want to totally say to them no, but yeah, you, you want to. They got a vision. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a collaboration, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna say, oh no, you can't do that, bro. We got to do it this way. You know. Yeah, because you probably realize that something similar can be done. Well, it has meaning for them, you know. Yeah, yeah, so well, that, that's yeah. what that's what counts. Yeah. Things that have meaning for people, you know, if they bring in a design, something that's scribbled on a piece of paper, even that's you know done up by a koro or something, there or an uncle that's died. Well, I'm not going to say, ah, no, nah, we can't do that. Yeah. You know, I say, okay, I'll take some elements from that, and we'll make yeah. it. They'll do. We'll, it's going to change, you know, but we'll we'll base it on on what he's giving you. Keep the core of the yeah, keep the core of it. Yeah, that's that's how I'll approach it. But um, obviously. Must know a bit of fucker papa bro, because I'm I assume people are coming up. Oh, I'm Napuhi and um, yeah. I'm too hoy and yeah. are they certain? Do each tribe have their own certain uh, sort of the pattern or design, or do you have you got your own uh, renditions of those particular tribes? Yeah. That yeah. So, okay. So, in terms of tribal patterns, most of the patterns in in moko and carving for Cairo are pretty universal across the country. You get a few specific patterns like. Um, like Kape, uh, Kaperua from um, Kahununu, which represents the eyebrows of Kahununu. That's kind of specifically known as that tribal sort of style, style you know, that pattern. But most of the patterns in Māori them have spread across, uh, you know, are quite universal. Um, so when you had carvers back in the day, you know, master carvers, even pre-European, uh, they develop their own styles like moko artists do now, you know, so obviously a carver from Ngātiao is probably going to carve most of the whare around the, around the hood, right? So that kind of becomes known as the Ngātiao style, but really it's, a, it's the master carver style. Um, so this is kind of what happened uh, throughout Aotearoa. Um, all the patterns are taken from nature and all have a kōrero attached to them, whakatauki, you know, all sorts of things attached to them. So, so for instance, someone from Kahununu who used this kapirua pattern, it's quite distinctive to Kahununu, but they want to talk about whales or something in their pattern, in their moko. So, I would use, a, I'd use an appropriate pattern that talks about whales. I'm not just going to go and use that all the time. I might use a, a one or two, you know, a little bit of it here and there in the pattern because they're from there. But most of the pattern I'll, uh, most of the patterns I'll, relate to whales, you know what I'm saying? So the patterns will be appropriate to the corridor of the person coming to ask for the more. I, fo- I follow your career, bro. I follow your progress. progress. That's, that's mean. That's, yeah. um, that's quite inspirational, actually, for, for a lot of us, that's including myself. And now I notice you're going on a massive tour. That's obviously not your first one. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like you've got a big tour coming up. How, how, how did this whole touring come about, bro? You, where did this all start from? You've um, gone from a humble little tattooing on your bow and, and the thing, and now you're touring the world, bro. Which... around the place. Yeah. Oh, you get invited to places, you know, you, you rub shoulders with um, artists and event event um, organisers in different places, and you get invited to other places, so your schedule can start filling up quite quickly. Um, plus, I, like, I enjoy travelling to, uh, uh, you know, other indigenous cultures that are sort of off the... Off the um, off the track, so to speak. So you know, for years we did the standard, you know, tattoo industry conventions in Sydney and Melbourne and Auckland and all that sort of stuff. A few over in Europe, um, and they were pretty much all the same. It's pretty commercial stuff, you know. But uh, now uh, I prefer to just kind of stick to the cultural cultural gatherings around tattooing. Uh, last last year went to India. That was pretty awesome. India? Yeah. Yeah. In Delhi. Um, and tattooing in India, I mean, there's a whole bunch of cultures in India that have traditional tattoos. Oh, okay. And have done so for, you know, probably thousands of years, I guess. Yeah. It's not so not so knowledgeable about, yeah, it's not so exposed. But the tattoo industry now in, in India is kind of just starting to, to take off. So, so I like going to those type of places where, um, you know, Having come through, being a part of the revival of Moko and Aotearoa, and 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 being around those major players that were sort of reviving the art form 
going and sharing our experiences with those cultures that are in the same position as where we were 25 years ago. Is, um, I, I enjoy doing that. <clears throat> um, rubbing shoulders and and helping as you know, as much as I can to to boost uh, and inspire, I guess, the work amongst their own people. Um, things like um, going to the States and uh, me and Mark went to the States one time with Derek and a few other guys. San Fran, <coughs> rubbing shoulders over there with other artists and ended up on um, a Native American reservation where these people hadn't practiced their traditional chin tattoos on the woman for 150 years. So they've got a traditional... A lot of, lot of cultures around the world have traditional chin tattoos. We're not the only ones. Okay. It's quite prevalent around the planet. It's everywhere. China, Africa, Israel, you name it, it's everywhere, bro. So the female chin tattoo is not just distinct to Māori, it's quite a common thing around the planet, indigenous cultures. So these women, I mean, the, the, the matriarch of the tribe and her granddaughter came to us and says, look, will you tattoo? You know, they brought us pictures of their, they're just straight lines. Bro. So nothing you haven't dealt with before? Yeah, it's just two straight lines on their chins. And as they get older, those lines will thicken out and become wider and wider. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, Mark Tauru, two of these women, the, the matriarch and her granddaughter. Yeah. First two to be done in over 150 years. Yeah, so being a part of those type of uh, events is really, I love this stuff. Yeah. Similar story when we were up in Mangapohatu a few years ago. Uh, about, it was about 100 years or so since somebody had been matauled up, yeah. up at Mangapohatu as well. Yeah. So we did two fellas up there one weekend. Uh, this was on the Ancient Inc. documentary. I don't know if that's the one you saw. <clears throat> um, so we took this guy up to follow us up there to the Uruwetas and we did two faces up there that weekend and it was a very similar situation where you know like I say it was over 100 years or so since anybody had been mokor up in the Tānenuiaranga even the whare up there so being being involved in those type of experiences makes my career all worthwhile you know? yeah these, these are the things that yeah. you've been working towards I suppose yeah yeah totally I can say in that um yeah. Did you, how do you, do you set goals, bro? Did you have a goal set that you want to be travelling doing this, or did, it, did no, things just fall into place? I'm hopeless at setting goals. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, yeah. Well, we've been married ten years, and um, uh, she's she's the one with all the business know-how, bro. Yeah, her I noticed and, that, bro. When I've been talking, bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I deal with all two affairs. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can imagine. So. <laughs> I'm an artist, bro. <laughs> she is too, but she's got that um, business background because of her mother is a really good businesswoman. Yeah. So she's kind of taken the reins on that. Can we uh, just step back just before you get onto that, bro? Yeah. Uh, how did you How did you meet? Was it through? Time oh, or? we just no, we just met it uh, through circumstance at my sister's house, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just got to know each other. She was a, a budding artist, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's more uh, like paper paper type of art, or she was paint drawing paint and drawing. Pa- painting and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and she does a lot of uh, mandala sort of um, henna style yeah. tattoos, geometry and that sort of thing, which is really taking off around the planet at the moment. Yeah. So you set it off and... Hit it off. And um, Mark was... was uh, she, He actually said to her, oh, this is my tutor. He said to her, oh, you know, if, if two can just focus in on the art forms, not have to worry about the business stuff, you guys will go places. So, so she, prior to this, you're kind board. of just doing the... Kazi tattooing the Kazi and, and the, you got a couple of bookings for this week. Is uh, that, you, yeah, no, I was still pretty still, busy. Still busy yeah. yeah, I was organising, you know, I was, I was fairly organised. I was looking after bookings and all that sort of stuff myself. And still travelling and getting around because I was involved with uh, Duhi Matauru, which is um, the Moko um, collective, I, yeah, I suppose. I, I think I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, people like Derek and Mark, yeah. uh, Rangi Kippa, yeah. uh, Ricky Manuel, all these fellas. So I was a part of that collective, and they would send us overseas and do cultural exchanges and stuff like that. So, so you're so you're just still heavily involved. You're just getting exposed you're to a lot of that cultural exchange stuff. Yeah, which was so much more valuable to me than you know doing it just for cash. Yep. Cash, fact, it just pays the bills. Bro. So yeah. you're so a passion for it is almost a must. Gotta have life. passion for anything you do in life. Yeah, you gotta love it. Is, was there ever a point where you ever did think that? 
this might be just you mucking around doing it you know just the cousins or got tired of it i got yeah. tired of some uh, here and there just because i was doing it so much <laughs> oh, okay. so how we're do down the body how do you push through the, the mental it's more of a physical thing because your oh, okay. um, your body starts starts to, to suffer from so you're, um, you holding, mean like you're stuck in these positions yeah, for hours and hours and yeah holding positions like a calisthenic sort of positions for hours and your body will to rock you, you want to give people the best obviously the best outcome yeah. so you, you know, yeah. is there a point where you're like oh, just, yeah. I can't give you the best that yeah. I can offer at the moment you sort of getting to that I was getting to that yeah yep. so I had to start um, looking after myself uh, dealing with chronic neck pain I had chronic neck pain for like 15 years yeah. easy 15 years just from not monitoring my posture and stuff like that while I was working um, so five years ago I uh, I um, started off on a martial arts journey just to keep my body lubricated, basically. And that's really helped heaps. That and a few other things. I've been involved in um, uh, ceremony, yeah, uh, plant medicine ceremonies and that type of thing where have had a few experiences in the spiritual realm that have really gotten rid of their pain, bro. Just yep. asked for it to be taken away and it got, got dealt to. And it's given you a sort of new lease on... Yeah, making sure I'm main, maintaining the health. Yeah, okay. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen, um, you, you had a, like a, what do they call them? It was in the art gallery or thing. What do they call these things? Exhibition. Exhibition. Yeah. Is that at the Gold Coast? It's Gold Coast. I went and had a lunch, oh, yeah. bro. Yeah. Oh, that was massive. It was funny because I was walking around and um, the lady was talking. She came around and talked to me. You want to come and have a look at this artist? Uh, this is Tudor Makina Dooley. Um, so, yeah. you know, one day you might get to me. I was like, ah, oh, yes, I know. Let's <laughs> about that lady. But um, anyway, bro. Was it a Māori woman? Uh, I think she was, bro. Yeah, yeah she was a nice, beautiful, lovely Māori woman, bro. Yeah. And she was just sort of explaining your whakapapa. And I was, I was yeah. sitting there. I, I, I listened to it. It just, you know, it would be yeah. rude not to. Yeah. But um, it was um, it was amazing, bro. Um, how, how was that? How was that experience? How oh, that it was actually my first ever exhibition, bro. Um, so that was pretty cool because I didn't have to organise or anything. I just turned up with the artwork. Oh, did, <laughs> so did someone approach you about it? That woman, that woman, we were good friends with her, and she was um, her, her, and um, there was a Māori fella up there who was uh, who was the CEO of the of the art centre there. So got to you know rub shoulders with all those fellas. Um, so they set it all up and got a few of us Māoris together to put on the exhibition. Yep. Yeah. So I just pulled. Did together. you get up and do some? Um yeah, I did live tattooing and stuff. Oh, you actually did some some live there? tattooing there. Yeah, a bit of discussion and talks and stuff. Yeah, obviously a lot a of it boardy. was um, like drawings and paintings and stuff like that. Mm. Or, or most of it was actually. Yeah. Uh, have you got a passion for that as well? Is that something painting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I draw and paint a lot. I just want to sort of move into the arts elemental yeah. sector. Is this is that arts elemental? Yeah. Is that more what that? Oh, it's both. It's both. Um, so I do a bit of bone carving, a bit of stone carving. Um, uh, a lot of painting, canvas work, drawing on, uh, most of my work is on digi digital art forms now. Oh, yeah. So I've been throwing myself into that. So a lot of late nights uh, spent, you know, two or three in the morning yeah, yeah, <laughs> painting yeah. in front of a computer. Um, yeah, yeah, the art form, the, those type of arts arts uh, practices I really enjoy as well. I've been doing how that do you, since um, young. How do you like move yourself between the different arts bro how do you do you just spend because i do music yeah. for a whole week i might be working on sort of reggae tunes bro and then my yeah. mind just transfers and i'm working on sort of hip-hop stuff and I'm, the whole reggae thing's going out of my head yeah what, what's the process like for you yeah well actually sometimes i might be working on say two or three pieces at the same time um <clears throat> have been doing that recently actually i'm doing a poster for the india convention this year and a Bob Marley exhibition in Hastings, so I'm doing two pieces, I've been working on those. Um, but one night I'll spend on, you know, on one of them, and I'll just get myself into the zone, probably have a toque and yep. paint, <laughs> you know. Um, it helps me get into the zone. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you know, depends on what I'm doing, I can just sort of jump from one to the other quite seamlessly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, you've probably been doing it for so long, eh, but you can sort yeah. of just jump back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. What about carving? Do you carve as well? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, mainly bone. I'm not I'm not too hot on the wood or anything like that, yeah. but I can do bone and stone. stone so for people that um, maybe are attempting to follow your path or another similar path, 
and they are finding themselves jumping to all these different kind of things what, mm. what do you suggest stick to one path keep jumping back back through paths or it's, um, yeah, it's, it's the difference between mastering something and being a jack of all trades i guess which you you know really don't master any of them yeah um for myself i had i, st- I did i was doing bone carving before i started tattooing um, but tattooing really just took over for me so i threw myself at it i still pick up the bone carving materials here and there but I've, my focus is, is more yeah. yeah i mean if you can some people can focus on more than one thing, I guess, but the more attention you can give to one pathway, then the faster that's going to boom, you know. Yeah. Is yeah. that what you found with yourself? That was there at some stage where you just kind of pinpointed yeah. and just knocked that out and then yep. got to a point where you've sort of mastered it? You can. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely started to focus in on one of the, you know, it was, it was the television thing or, or, or it was Mogul. So I cut out the whole television thing and just followed this pathway and. Ever since then, it's just gone from level to level. What were you doing on the television? Yeah. Oh, I was editing. For like Māori TV or Channel 3? Yeah, Māori television production house. It wasn't actually Māori television. It was a private uh, private production house. Oh, okay. Yeah, working over there. Was that was that initially your goal for life? Mm. Yeah, I was definitely, definitely wanted to throw myself into the special effects Media arena. sort of sector, special effects. Yeah, with the productions, I was sort of aiming at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys that did the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they mm. do massive stuff there. Mm. So you didn't. You've obviously turned your attention to a whole different. You yeah. know, you've got your mind focused on this for I don't know how many years, and you've probably yeah. done studies and. Yeah. What was the was the was the turning point where you just like you mentioned earlier you just didn't or wasn't for you? It's it's okay to change that path, you think? Or yeah, definitely okay to change the path. Um, obviously, you know, sometimes we don't really know whether the path that we've chosen is right for us until you've given it a go, you know. Then you find out later on, okay, this is not for me, we're going to try something else. That's that's all good. Yeah. Wouldn't leave it too late. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you think it's okay to have a go at something else? Bro, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. you got to find your passion, like I said. And where I did have some kind of passion in the, in the, the special effects area was draining. So I had to make that call. Yep. You know, it was affecting my health. I put on a bunch of weight, all of that sort of thing. So you got to make those calls. Is it you know? safe to say, uh, if you're not enjoying something, try something else? Try or, something else. Yeah. Because there's always an opportunity to come back and yeah. carry on with that. If, if Give yourself so options. Yeah. Give yourself some options. Yeah. You know, have a few options on the go so you can have a backup plan. How do you, how do you find the, what's the mind frame? How do you find the balance between knowing maybe you just need to keep working harder or something or maybe it's time to try something else. You, you get mm. these people saying, oh, you just have to keep working hard. It's going to be hard for the start. Yeah. Obviously, you've got to a point where it shouldn't be this hard or maybe this yeah. is not what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I did television for probably three or four years, so I gave it a good shot, you know, and gave myself some time to really settle into it and to see whether it was a good path. Um and I could have easily thrown myself into that pathway as well, you know. I could have focused in on that if I wanted to, but I just enjoyed the, I just enjoyed the lifestyle of the tattoo of the tattoo world. Okay. Really enjoyed that because, like I was saying, it was getting me overseas. I was traveling. I was rubbing shoulders with cultural tattooists and other cultural artists from all over the world, um, and I really loved that cultural exchange. You know. Yeah. Back to the tattooing, bros. Is there a lot of pressure from like expectation? people you know you're about to say tell you someone's face bro is there pressure on that expectation or do you just how do you overcome that that heavy heavy expectation that you're putting something on someone's face and i guess they're expecting a certain quality yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. course yeah how, how do you overcome that type of pressure um or is there pressure i guess face? when you're first starting out there's that type of pressure you know your first few faces is quite it's quite daunting but just like anything the the more you do it the the um, easier get now it's just kind of like another day at the office you know (laughs) because you've reached that level of confidence you know your abilities you know that you can you know you've had enough experience under your belt you can pull it off um, without even really uh, trying you know you can get to that stage in whatever you're doing where you can do things without really having to um, uh, what's the word you know without having to stress yourself over the the process yeah then you know you're you're um 
you're getting up there in terms of mastering your skill, I guess. How about yourself, bro? Did you feel that was a natural progression? Yeah, into your... totally. Totally was a natural progression. And, uh, um, when did I get it done? It was probably about 14 years ago now for the face. Yeah, it was totally a natural progression because that's, you know, for one, that's what I did for Mahi. Um, I love the the um, yeah, the process of it, the, the the history of it, the meaning of it, um, and how it has oh, it's opened doors in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was definitely a natural progression. Do you believe it's necessary to for Tamakwaras to show oh. the you know show the culture on their face, especially? Is it is it something that people at your level need to start really considering a lot of them are especially, eh? because, especially because they're doing it on other people yeah. so maybe you know it might be good yep that was my approach you know um i spent actually i spent a lot of time actually tattooing myself just so that i know on uh, yourself you got yeah, a couple here yeah tattooed myself not my face but you yeah. know other parts so i could feel what i'm dishing out to others yeah um and yeah like you say you know having gone through the process of mataora when you go to do it yourself on somebody else, you know exactly what that being, what what, yeah. what it's like to I go guess, through it. You know, I guess that's important yeah. too. For me, it is. Yeah, uh, there's a few mokoaras out there that that uh, you know, have vehemently claimed that they will never get marked at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple out there. One one that comes to mind in particular. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's even been tattooed to this day, but he's a prominent mokoaras. Yeah. yeah. And that's just that's just that's his just pathway. Stuff. That's just his journey. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine he'll do it at some stage. But where, where do you like to travel? Um, yeah, like I say, I like travelling to uh, places. You know, people, places where the where the cultural art forms are and the cultural way of lifestyle is still still thriving. You know, I'd love to go and visit the Maasai people in Africa. Or yeah. I've been into the Amazon and spent time with yeah. uh, tribes in the Amazon. You know, things like that. With, really your, with your gun and everything, or just... No, 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 that was prior to that. Uh, I was tattooing at the time, but that wasn't the reason for the trip. Um, but I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow uh, to continue uh, learning under Kione Nunes, who's a traditional Hawaiian tattooist, doing the traditional tapping. He's teaching me how to make the tools, how to stretch, and eventually to start tapping. Yeah. So I'm moving into that pathway now. Yeah, okay, bro. So you're gonna start doing traditional? Have you done? Yep. Oh, I've done a few, few little pieces here and there. Yeah, I've spent ten days with him back uh, last year. This will be my second trip with him. Yep. So that that journey is still unfolding. What the um, <coughs> what the whole? You know, you've been doing this for a while now, and the whole change of social media and stuff. Mm. Is it is it easier? Is it making it easier or harder because it's flooded? The social media? Yeah, has social media changed the way you approach business, the way you... Oh, yeah, no, we use social media all the time to, um, oh, you know, promote and just let people know where we are and... Has it made it a lot easier? Yeah, 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 definitely is, yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It, make, it makes it easier for people to access artists. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it hasn't made it so flooded, the market hasn't been so flooded with just people putting up anything, haven't found that? Because I find it with the music, bro. You can you can make some good music, but it, it's just so flooded at the moment. Anyone can just chuck stuff up and oh, yeah, you sort of get you know. There's that flood. happening, yeah. There's definitely that happening. Um, you know, some people fail to do the homework on the artist, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and end up coming to get get stuff covered up because they didn't do their homework properly. You know, yeah, yeah. You gotta like anything. You gotta take a bit of time and have a look around to see see um, who's worth visiting. You know. At this stage of your career, is it important that you just master what you know even further and further, fine-tune? Mm. Or is it equally important to be taking stuff of other people and going, oh, that's a, that's a good design there, I want to take it? Or are you, are you past that point now? Uh, well, I'm not going to take something of, you know, somebody comes up with their own design, I'm not going to just take it. I'm going to rub shoulders with them and, and you know, create relationship and, this is how a lot of us are working in the Moko world and you know, we'll hit each other up, oh, bro. I've seen you using that pattern, is it all good if I give that a go? You know, you communicate like that. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. That's just um, you know, that helps to evolve the art form in many ways. Yeah. 
but I'm not going to just go and steal something from somebody and just use it. There's, yeah. there's that happening. There's a lot of people doing that kind of yeah. stuff, you know. Is that um, kind of a, that's a, a no-no in the... Uh, you know, it's just common courtesy, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just common so, courtesy. Same as anything, eh? Yeah. Pinching someone's... Yeah. What's the... What's the plan for the sort of the next year, next five years? Have you got a, like a plan? Are you going to set up studios yeah. everywhere, type of thing, or what, yep. what's the we goal? We have got a couple. We have got a plan. So we're, we're looking at opening a studio, um, which we won't work out because we just work out a home studio, which I prefer. But I'm going to open a studio. One of my apprentices is going to manage the place. So then we'll get a few artists going on in there, um, and that'll probably be around the Pimpama area somewhere. Yep. So that'll happen in the next I don't know year or so, I guess. Um, and then in, within the next five or so years, we're probably going to pack our whanau up and move back to Aotearoa. Yeah. In the next yeah. five years? Yeah, somewhere around there. Oh, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. What's, what was the mind frame behind that, bro? You just, you've done your dash here? You've yeah, done my dash. I just want my kids to be exposed to more of the real, yeah. more of the culture, um, get involved in the Māori art scene back at home again. I miss that, you know, rubbing shoulders all the artists and... and um, yeah, just being a part of the community again. Do you think you moving here earlier, did that spark, obviously, I, I wouldn't call it loss, but the the, ch- the chances to learn the reo and be involved in and enveloped in our culture, yeah. you missed it for those few years. Do you reckon that that was maybe frothing at the bottom and it came to the surface later on and, and really inspired that? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been, you know, having grown up around the marae back at home, in the early days, in the early years, and then being pulled out of the country to Australia, uh, which which gave me a connection to this land as well. Um, but I was kind of young enough to not really be attached yet to the cultural aspects of being at home. So those sort of appreciations came later in life for me. Um, you know, when I started doing the kapahaka and all that sort of thing and learning the real and understanding the value of all that that came late later teens oh yeah so but what it did give me was a um i was able to relate to those you know especially over in australia and other parts of the world maori who have been born or, or moved away from home and um being disconnected from the culture and all that sort of thing i'd you know gone through that myself and then going home and trying to reconnect can be quite daunting <laughs> you yeah. know, especially if you're coming home with an Australian. <laughs> I see you finally got you've got that out of you, bro. You've, 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 you worked that out of yourself pretty yeah, quickly. <laughs> for for the young people listening, or even old people listening, bro, that are they still might want to pursue this path or any sort of path. Mm. You know, there's a lot of lot of things out there that don't have that template. You, you, you've for you yourself, there wasn't a template for you, was there? There wasn't a template, no. There was a passion. Yeah. There was a passion. And one thing that I've always tried to, to do through life is to follow the heart. Yeah. You know, your heart your heart is like a brain, so um, it has a lot to say. If you're not listening to your heart, you're going to be in a, yeah, anguish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, for the young people, or like I said again, old people, what, have you got any last words, bro? Like, what's some advice that they might be struggling, they they want to do this, but you know how do I, how do how do how do you get from there to there? Yeah, right. Find your passion, and then um, <clears throat> one thing you got to do is surround yourself with people who are on the same path. Yeah. Surround yourself with those people. Surround yourself with people that you want to be like. You know, that's a key. Um, it's no use trying to be a moko artist if you're surrounding yourself with um, people who are working. I don't know, labouring or something like that. Yeah, you, yeah, you want to yeah. surround yourself with the people that are on the same pathway. Yeah. Okay, so it's quite important to mm. just be a, just be around that. Step out, step out of your comfort zone. You know, go and take a course if you need to go and take a course. Put yourself in uncomfortable situa- situations if you yeah. need to. You know, at first it's going to be uncomfortable until it starts to settle. Um, just be bold about it. You know, don't let anybody talk you out of what you want to do as well i will ask you this one thing obviously we need money to for certain aspects of life bro i I believe it shouldn't be as important as it is but unfortunately the way the world has become it's just just is bro yeah if you're pursuing something like this that requires maybe a bit of money to 
Hari pushed through that financial barrier, bro. Uh, mm. What's what's is there? Have you got any thoughts or ideas? How Obviously, like you say, the the whole capitalism, business, corporate world is running this planet. Um, whereas I prefer to see a, a world without money. Um, it's it's an unnecessary thing, in my opinion. But it's something that we don't really have much control over, you know, uh, individually, unless you're going to go self-sustainable and. You know, grow your own food and <laughs> get off grid, which is also possible, but it's hard work. Um, yeah, sometimes you've just got to, you know, when I first started out, I was tattooing, I was working, I was at uni doing television, I was working for a television industry as well. Um, so I was holding down two or three jobs to make the bills, you know, make ends meet until I could get financially stable enough to just focus on the one. You got to do what you got to do yeah, yeah. initially to get to get to get rolling. Um, that might mean sacrificing sleep, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah. you know. Yeah. So you're basically saying hard work Knuckle is down. necessary, bro. Knuckle down, do what you got to do to get yourself established. Because once you're established, it's, it will roll out from there. Yeah. yeah. And should there be ever ever a time that you say, "Nah, I quit"? Oh yeah. Yeah, you'll come up against those times. And you might need a break for a month or two or whatever and then come back to it. So know. just keep the keep the energy, keep the passion alive. If you do one thing every every day that contributes to your forward movement, then you're, you're doing pretty good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's, that's some... That's some. Awesome. 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 Awesome.